For over 50 years, people have relied on Village Green Apothecary to give them individualized nutrition, pharmacy, and healthy living products. Village Green provides you with a kind of personalized help and attention that mass market pharmacies have long ago forgotten. You can depend on us for knowledge, experience, product selection, customer service, and a smile. Visit Village Green in Bethesda at 5415 West Cedar Lane or call us at 301-530-0800 or go to our website at myvillagegreen.com. We're here to help you. Welcome listeners to the Essentials of Healthy Living on 1500 AM. We're brought to you by the Village Green Apothecary located at 5415 West Cedar Lane in Bethesda, Maryland. And I'm Dana Lake, alternating the show with Dr. Kevin Passaro. And we do try to bring you a lot of really good information all about you and your health. Now, the show is streamed through myvillagegreen.com. And this is a reminder the Village Green has their year-end sale. Now through December 31st, 35% off Pathway Nutrition Products, 25% off other supplements, and 20% off body care products. Now, we're here every Sunday morning at 10 a.m., and just a reminder to tune in next week for Kevin's discussion on children's health. Now, today our guest is Dr. Peter Osborne, and the subject is autoimmune disease, no grain, no pain. I love the title. Now, Dr. Osborne is the clinical director of Origins Healthcare in Sugarland, Texas. He is a doctor of chiropractic, doctor of pastoral science, and a board-certified clinical nutritionist. He's often referred to as a gluten-free warrior, and he's one of the most sought-after alternative medicine doctors in the world. His practice is centered on helping those with painful, chronic, degenerative, and autoimmune diseases using natural methods. He is one of the world's leading authorities on gluten sensitivity and lectures nationally to both the public as well as doctors on this and many other nutritionally related topics. He's the founder of Gluten-Free Society, the author of the Gluten-Free Health Solution, and the Glutenology Health Matrix, a series of digital videos and ebooks designed to help educate the world about gluten. In addition, he is the author of No Grain, No Pain, published by Touchstone Simon and Schuster. He has also served as the executive director and vice president for the American Clinical Board of Nutrition and is on the advisory board for the Functional Medicine University. We are very proud and honored to have you on the show. Welcome to the show, Dr. Peter Osborne. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here today. Uh, Tell us just a little bit of background as to how you became interested in this subject of the connection between grains and autoimmunity. Well, I was training in graduate school. I I did a run through the VA hospital in the rheumatology department. And all these patients with very, very chronic degenerative diseases like rheumatoid arthritis and lupus and scleroderma and dermatomyositis uh, were coming through the doors. Nobody would get better. So they would be put on steroids. They'd be put on cancer drugs like methotrexate. They'd be given gold injections. They'd be put on, you know, severe, strong immune-suppressing medications. And the outcomes weren't great. The people still felt bad. The pain levels were still high. And ultimately, what would happen is a lot of them would end up being 
put into surgical consult, and by the time the joints had deteriorated to such a great degree, they were just ba basically putting them in to see the orthos to have to have a um, surgery done. So that was very frustrating for me, and so I, I went into the library. I was like, "What? Is, what is it that we can do differently?" Uh, because this is obviously, to me, this isn't working, and I don't want to spend the next 30 years seeing patients go through this type of therapy and protocol and not getting better. So one of the things I found with autoimmune disease was that there was a, really there was, a, there, was a, there was a perfect disease we already knew about that was caused by food, and that was celiac disease. So we knew that celiac disease caused by gluten and it made sense to me that if this is the one form of autoimmune disease we know the cause for, it would make sense that we should look at gluten for other forms of autoimmune disease. And so I took this research to my attending physicians, and basically I was told that we weren't going to look at that, that that was nonsense and that there's just nothing that we're going to be able to do in terms of diet. So then I went back to the library, and I found all this literature, years and years of data on fasting. If you took patients with chronic autoimmune pain, and you fasted them for up to 48 hours, a lot of their pain would go away. And so that, again, tying into glutens, well, well what, are, what are we doing when we're fasting? We're taking food out of the diet. So there's got to be a food connection if fasting alleviates pain and if gluten hasn't, there's a known correlation between gluten and autoimmune disease. So I took that data back to my attending physician, and I was told promptly again to quit trying to bring nutritional evidence and quit trying to bring nutritional therapies into the hospital. So when I left the hospital, one of my very first patients in private practice was a little girl named Ginger. She had been diagnosed with juvenile rheumatoid arthritis, and she had a terminal diagnosis, meaning they, they gave her, the doctor told her mother, go home and prepare for your daughter's death. She's got about six months. And this little girl had a permanent stent or a permanent IV uh, embedded in her arm because she was in and out of the hospital so frequently to mitigate her pain and to, and to put her on medication. And, and so what, what we did with her is we found out she was gluten sensitive uh, we, through genetic testing. We did some genetic testing to identify gluten sensitive gene patterns. And when we took her gluten free, within a year she was off her medication and she was completely pain free. Now this was a terminal diagnosis and this little girl had such severe disease that her knees were swollen to the size of softballs. And all it took in her case was a diet change. And for me, that, that's all it took. That I knew I, at this point I needed to get this information into the hands of the, the, you know, there are estimated 46 million people suffering with autoimmune disease. And how many of them go that same route that the VA was taking them, going the route of, you know, lots of drugs and an eventual surgery. And it's a route that doesn't work. It's an expensive route. And it basically the drugs and the side effects of the medications can destroy quality of life and increase the risk for development of cancer. Well, so I knew I had to get this information out into the into the crowds of, of people who are suffering, and that's where it, it all began. Well, it's it's a wonderful story, and uh, I think it's not uncommon. I myself was taught by a patient when I had read about the reactions people can have uh, to gluten and casein, milk casein. And I was as amazed and as excited as the family was when we saw the change so uh, I think you need to give yourself a lot of credit because you were open to learning and you didn't give up. And fortunately, a patient confirmed what you were thinking about. And I think that makes a huge difference because we're not the only practitioners that have seen the results 
but were practitioners who didn't say, no, I was taught that isn't true, so it can't be true. Big difference. I think so. And if we look at, you know, just the word doctor from the Latin term docere, which means teacher, you know, how can we be teachers if we're not willing to be students and learn from our patients? And I think that the mindset for many is that they stay in this box. And if the box doesn't doesn't fit what was taught to me, that that's more, that's not doctoring, that's being a technician. That's saying, yes, I can follow a flow chart and prescribe the right drug for the right disease state. And that's, you know, that, that doesn't serve anybody very well. Um, let's, for our listeners, and some may have just tuned in, some may be familiar with the subject, others not, let's talk about this full range of reactions to gluten, gluten sensitivity, and define that spectrum, because it, it's a pretty broad spectrum. Uh, would you please do that for us? Yeah, so a lot of people are under the impression that gluten sensitivity is the same thing as celiac disease, which celiac disease is an autoimmune disease where there's destruction of the villi in the small intestine. So the, 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 the little cellular structures that are responsible for absorbing vitamins and minerals in the small intestine are called villi. And celiac disease is when those structures are destroyed as a result of being exposed to gluten. But gluten in and of itself is not celiac disease. Gluten sensitivity is a state of genetics. A person either has the genes that when they eat gluten, they're predisposed to having a reaction, an inflammatory response against that gluten, or they're not. And one of the manifestations of gluten sensitivity is celiac disease, meaning, meaning if, if that person's response to gluten is damaged to the small intestine, we're going to call that celiac disease. But there are a lot of diseases that are linked to those with gluten sensitivity that have nothing to do with the gut. For example, autism, uh, attention deficit hyperactivity disorders, bipolar disease, schizophrenia, which was originally called bread madness, uh, it has a strong tie to gluten sensitivity. Then we've got the autoimmune pain conditions like <clears throat> excuse me, rheumatoid arthritis and lupus, psoriatic arthritis, spondyloarthritis, reactive arthritis. Then we've got neurological conditions like epileptic seizure disorder and multiple sclerosis and Parkinson's and dementia. So there, and then we have liver diseases like non-alcoholic fatty liver disease or autoimmune hepatitis, and you know we have skin disorders like vitiligo and dermatitis or pediformis. So there's there's this whole array of diseases that we know gluten can cause that have nothing to do with celiac disease. But if a doctor's not trained to appropriately look at those conditions under the microscope of is gluten part of the problem, then these people are getting thrown into a no man's land of diagnosis. They're basically being told. Uh, here's the drug for your condition, but, but there's nothing more that we can do about it, even though a diet change might completely save or change their life. That's well said. Thank you for describing that and explaining it. Uh, it is interesting how reluctant uh, the professional community has been to recognize non-celiac gluten intolerance or non-celiac gluten sensitivity and how prevalent it is in the autism community uh, as an autism educator and as a clinician. What we started noticing is exactly what you just described, that when children with autism were tested, a certain percentage do have 
celiac. So then the parents are tested. But the parents find they may not have the gut problem, and this is what you were referring to. They may have joint pain. They may have autoimmunity, sluggishness, ADD, etc. And they improved by going off gluten, yet they didn't have the GI symptoms uh, that would have given them the diagnosis. Um, I wanted to ask you a little bit about the gene test for celiac and the fact that often there's a reluctance to do it because only about 20% will show the gene but not have celiac. My argument has been look for autoimmunity and you will find the, the gluten problem. Can you expand more on that? Absolutely. So the, the genetic test, the, so there is a genetic test for celiac disease where they're looking for a, a, a pattern on the H, what's called the HLA-DQ genes. There's actually an HLA-DQ alpha-1 gene and an HLA-DQ beta-1 gene. And the problem is, is the, the celiac, defined celiac patterns on these genes are called HLA-DQ2 and HLA-DQ8. Now, at the sake of sounding too, you know, scientific, the, the issue is, is that if a person doesn't have the 2 or the 8 version of this gene, then they're completely dismissed. And even if they do have the 2 or 8 version of this gene, they're being oftentimes completely dismissed because they don't have GI symptoms. But the reality is if a person has a 2 or an 8, and there are two other what we call non-celiac gluten-sensitive gene patterns, those are DQ1s and 3s, and this is why a lot of people get missed as well, is because their doctors only run a 2 or an 8. They only look for the 2 or the 8. They don't look for the 1 and the 3. But if a person has a 2, 8, or 1 or a 3 on these genes, what that means is these genes, what, the, what, it, what these genes do is they serve to produce an antenna that sits on the surface of our white blood cells that recognizes good guys from bad guys so that our immune system knows how to react to the environment. And so certain patterns on this HLA-DQ gene basically – mean that a per, if a person has a gluten-sensitive pattern, that when gluten comes into their body, their immune system is going to naturally look at gluten as an enemy. So it's not a, gluten sensitivity is not a disease state. It's a state of genetics. You either have the genes or you don't. And if you expose yourself to gluten and you have that gene pattern, the outcome that will be normal will be an inflammatory response. Your body's immune system will mount an, an attack against that gluten to try to appropriate it, to try to get rid of it. So Again, if we're looking at the genetics of this, we're not looking for disease. We're looking for genetic patterns that would indicate whether or not a person needs to change their diet so that we can save them from the development of disease. And, of course, one of the big disease types that is linked to gluten sensitivity has to do with autoimmunity, as you mentioned before. Yes. Well, we're going to carry this conversation forward in the next segment. And you have given the best description of understanding the genetics that I have ever encountered. And I appreciate uh, you being so thorough and scientific, yet un easy to understand. Uh, I, I think it's been helpful. And for those of you who've just tuned in, I just want to remind you, you're with The Essentials of Healthy Living on 1500 AM. I'm Dana Lake, your host for the hour, and we're brought to you by Village Green Apothecary. Stay with us. We'll be right back after this break with Dr. Peter Osborne and more information on no grain, no pain.
MegaFood Premium Whole Food Supplements are the only supplements crafted from scratch with farm-fresh whole foods to deliver nourishment the way nature intended. MegaFood believes Mother Nature knows best. They select only fresh whole food, harvested at the peak of ripeness, handle it gently and with care to deliver its vital essence to you in every bottle. MegaFood, from farm to tablet, our name is our promise. For more information, visit us online at megafood.com. Zymogen is pleased to announce the arrival of Fit Food, a delicious, high-quality, functional food that's formulated to support weight management, healthy body composition, glycemic management, cardiovascular and immune health, and more. Each delicious serving of Fit Food contains 21 grams of pure New Zealand-sourced bioactive whey protein, 6 grams of fiber-immune-supporting oat beta-glucan, and additional glutamine, glycine, taurine, and MCTs. Fit Food provides holistic support for today's active body. Learn more at Zymogen.com. Available now through your healthcare professional and Village Green Apothecary. All over the world, people are beginning to discover fish oil is one of the best secrets for unlocking great health. Thousands of studies have shown the amazing effects of these powerful omega-3s for heart health. Plus, fish oils have even been shown to balance moods and lessen anxiety. With exceptional taste, unrivaled freshness, and unsurpassed purity, Nordic Naturals is the easy way to get your omega-3s every day. To learn more, visit Village Green Apothecary or visit NordicNaturals.com. Nordic Naturals, committed to the planet, committed to pure and great-tasting omega oils. The brain requires nutrition just like the rest of the body. And this is where Gero Formula's NeuroOptimizer comes to the rescue. NeuroOptimizer is a concentrated source of nutrients needed for memory, mood, concentration, and focus. NeuroOptimizer supplies the building blocks for neurotransmitters, the chemicals that allow cells in the brain to communicate and to file away memories. NeuroOptimizer is the nutritional answer to the brain's needs. To learn more about formulas, visit Gero.com. Gero Formulas, available at Village Green Apothecary. Old Man Winter is on the way, but you can weather the storm by taking advantage of Village Green Apothecary's gear and sale. Now through the end of the year, you can save 35% off Pathway Nutrition products, 25% off other supplements, and 20% off body care products. Stock up on supplements to fight colds and flu and pick up some healthy living gifts for your friends and family, too. Visit Village Green Apothecary at 5415 West Cedar Lane in Bethesda or online at myvillagegreen.com or call us at 301-530-0800. Our big year-end sale will blow you away. Welcome back, listeners, to the second segment of The Essentials of Healthy Living on 1500 AM. The show is brought to you by Village Green Apothecary. I'm Dana Lake, and I alternate the show with Dr. Kevin Passaro. And we are here every Sunday morning. Please remember to tune in next Sunday for Kevin's discussion on children's health. Now, today our guest is Dr. Peter Osborne, and the subject is autoimmune disease and his book, No Grain, No Pain. And we talked about uh, celiac being a, a genetic gluten disorder, and we talked about uh, other kinds of gluten sensitivities and gluten intolerances that can contribute to a wide host of immune problems, particularly autoimmunity. Can we expand a little bit on what kinds of symptoms people can experience when they don't handle gluten well? 
So there's, yeah, there's a whole host of, of different types of symptoms. And I think we, I, I'd like to preface it by saying, some people say, oh, I don't have that gluten thing because I don't have gut problems. And if we, if we use a drug as an example, because I think people can understand this kind of concept. If, if, for example, if we were to give a particular medication, let's just say aspirin, to 10,000 people, we're going to have a certain percentage of those people have gastric bleeding as a result of that aspirin. We're going to have a certain percentage of those people have an anaphylactic reaction to that aspirin. We're going to have a certain percentage have a reduction in pain as a result of that aspirin. We're going to have a certain percentage react poorly. So you get the same exact drug in a general population. You have different people reacting very differently to the exact same thing. So I want you to as we talk about these symptoms, I want you to think about that in relationship to gluten. Gluten is a protein or a family of proteins that can trigger different kinds of reactions in different people for different reasons. And a lot of that has to do with their unique chemistry, their unique, their unique biochemical makeup, their, their lifestyle. So gluten is notorious for creating gut problems. Yes, that's true, but it doesn't have to create celiac disease. It can create symptoms like irritable bowel syndrome. So there's kind of the varying constipation to diarrhea, gut bloating, intestinal pain, stomach pain, acid reflux is a common symptom of gluten, uh, gluten sensitivity. But then we can also, there's, a, there's an array of autoimmune inflammatory diseases of the intestines that can also be triggered or made worse by gluten. So things like Crohn's disease and ulcerative colitis, or some people call it mucus colitis. These are, these are again, these are different autoimmune conditions that we know gluten can either cause or contribute to. But if we move away from the gut, there are a number of other symptoms. I mentioned this one earlier, bread madness. The original name for schizophrenia was bread madness. It was observed that, that people in mental hospital institutions eating large quantities of bread, their, their problems would get worse. And then it's, we've come back and we've confirmed that, that gluten can be a neurotoxin for many people. So it can damage the parts of the brain that control balance. There's a, actually a particular disease called ataxia. Uh, some doctors call it cerebellar ataxia, where gluten damages the cerebellum and causes dizziness and causes loss of balance. Epilepsy is another form of gluten-induced neurological damage. So people that have had a diagnosis of epileptic seizure disorder should be screened for gluten sensitivity. Then there are other autoimmune neurological disorders, I mentioned multiple sclerosis. And that multiple sclerosis, you don't just wake up one day with severe multiple sclerosis. It starts with muscle weakness. It starts with loss of balance. It starts with kind of subtle types of symptoms. So those are really, if a person saying, should I look at gluten sensitivity? Should I, am I a candidate for that? Subtle symptoms, headaches, chronic muscle pain without damage to the muscle or without trauma, muscle spasm, neuropathy, so like numbness, tingling in the fingers. Those are kind of some of the subtle early onset symptoms for many people of exposure to gluten. And one of the more common ones that I see neurologically is migraine headache. Migraine headache is a very, very common symptom or side effect of gluten exposure for many people. Would that include ocular vi uh, vision disturbances? It can. It absolutely can. Remember that neurologically, as you know, the, the eye is a cranial nerve, right? What feeds the eye is a cranial nerve. So we can get damage to that part of 
the nerve that can damage vision and can lead to visual disturbances. We can also get damage to the nerves that feed the muscles in the eye, leading to uh, diseases where the eye, the muscles in the eye itself, lead to kind of a, a floater or lazy eye, those types of symptoms, because we can get atrophy to the eye muscles. Well described, and I'm I'm certain that listeners were not aware of the breadth and depth of the symptoms that are associated with sensitivities to gluten. Uh, talk to us about the kickoff phase of your No Grain, No Pain program in the first 15 days. I like this. So the kickoff is designed to not overwhelm people. Um, diet change is one of the most challenging components for the average person who's looking to improve their health. And I always say that, you know, the pain of the disease has to be greater than the pain of diet change for a person to really embrace the no grain, no pain program. But the kickoff phase is designed, it's, it's, we're taking a person, uh, we're, we're eliminating grains in this kickoff phase because we want to have a person experience the dramatic benefit and improvement of removing grain from the diet. And so for those people with true gluten sensitivity issues will notice typically a very big difference in the way that they feel in that first 15 days. And if we can get a person to notice that change, subsequently we can keep them engaged to go to the next level, which is that phase two, right, which is the challenge phase, which is a little bit more restrictive. We're taking out other foods like dairies and sugar, and we're taking out other foods that are difficult to digest because many people with gluten issues have damaged guts. So we're trying to minimize the, the stress and the pressure on their GI tract so that they can get better nutrition from the food that they are eating. Well, I can imagine that some people go kicking and screaming, and we certainly have experienced uh, all, really withdrawal, especially in those who might be uh, getting the opioids from gluten, crossing the leaky gut and getting to the brain. So the brain effect is so significant. There's a saying in autism, if the gluten-free diet is difficult, if you think the gluten-free diet is difficult, try coping with a child with untreated autism. And I thought that was well stated because there's a world of difference. Uh, and we certainly see this in many conditions. And you had mentioned autism, ADHD, ADD, and, and a host of other behavioral issues. And the schizophrenia is interesting uh, with regard to the grains. Uh, do you have any opinions, and I'm just throwing this out there, about the witch trials and the possibility of a toxin in the rye or a gluten effect? I, I do have opinions about it. Um, hard, to, hard to go back and prove, you know, events in past time. But, yes, I mean, there's a fungus that grows in the stored grain called ergo, E-R-G-O-T, and that has known hallucinogenic effects. And so there's a, there's a theory that, that basically says that it's not necessarily even the gluten that creates the madness, if you will. It's actually the mycotoxins and the mold. Uh, but then there's also gluten because we do have evidence in, in, in schizophrenic patients that where we've measured the reaction against gluten and found them to have a high, high predictive measurement against gluten. And when we take them on gluten-free diets, their symptoms improve. And, and so, so we know that gluten can do it, but we also know that mold hallucination can also do it. So I, I say it's 
probably a little bit of both. <laughs> Thank you. I knew you'd have the expertise to answer that question. Uh, what happens after the first 15 days uh, as far as or after the, the first 30 days of your program? Talk about what a patient, what a person will go through uh, sticking to the no grain, no pain program. So after 30 days, generally we're, we're going to see enough of an improvement within 30 days to justify the continuance. Now, I would say to, to anyone out there who's a skeptic, if you're skeptic and you're not sure whether it's the right diet, but you're out of medical options and you don't know what else to do, get genetically tested because that, can, that will help you to confirm in your own mind whether or not that diet change is the right move for you to make. But, but beyond 30 days, we're going to see, generally speaking, and I have to generalize because every patient in my experience is a little bit different. Some have more, more problems than just gluten. So it's not, I want to be clear that gluten-free is not the panacea to, to cure all disease, but it is a very, very powerful tool to help many people recognize the importance that diet can play in, 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 in health and disease and prevention. Yes, it, it certainly can be. What do, what do you think of other grains as far as their contribution? And then also I'd like to talk about the beans, soy, and dairy as being contributions as well and how you discover that for a patient. So if we're talking about, I think this conversation would be if we're talking about gluten, we want to understand what gluten actually is. You know, scientifically and, and the FDA defines gluten as alpha-gliadin, which is, to be specific, it's a type of protein found in wheat, barley, and rye. That's why if you go to the grocery store on a gluten-free aisle, you can find products that are gluten-free cereals and pastas and breads that are made from corn and rice, even though corn and rice have forms of gluten in them. So remember, part of it is the way the FDA defines what gluten is. It's, it's alpha-gliadin found in wheat, barley, and rye. But we know of, of about a 1,000 different forms of gluten. And we also know that in research, when we look at especially corn, corn glutens have the, a super high propensity toward creating the same kind of damage as wheat gluten, only oftentimes patients are told or people are told that corn is safe. So when it comes to the other grains, remember there's no such thing as a gluten-free grain because by definition, gluten is the family of proteins found in the seeds of grass, and the seeds of grass are grains. Grains are the seeds of grass. So I want to take that to another level because you asked me about beans and soy. Let's think about this in terms of, of Mother Nature. If we look at what a bean and what a, what a seed are, they are vesicles designed to preserve and protect and basically allow their own species to continue to propagate. So the seed contains a hard outer shell, and it contains chemical proteins inside of it that help feed the bean or the, or the grain so that it can grow. But it also contains poisons, natural poisons, to protect it from predators. Because if predators ate all the beans and ate all the seeds, then that plant would go extinct. So the plant has a protective capacity that is biochemical in nature. And we've identified agents in grains and in beans that shut down human pancreases. Some of these proteins are called ATIs, amylase trypsin inhibitors. They shut off the pancreas. So they prevent the human or the, or the animal from digesting the food because your pancreas is designed to secrete digestive enzymes that are supposed to help you break that food down. So if your diet is predominantly made up of, which most Americans are, 80% grain, 
then not only aside from gluten, you're getting a massive quantity of food that's designed to protect itself from predators eating it. <laughs> and we've genetically manipulated these foods yes. to do an even better job of surviving. And we've added poisons in the form of pesticides to these foods. So people are getting the pesticide. They're getting the genetic proteins that are designed to, to defend the plant, causing pancreatic shutdown. But if they're also gluten sensitive, they're getting kind of hit again with that immune response. So there's kind of this... Think of it as this multitude of different effects that gluten itself doesn't explain in entirety, but, but plant biology does. Yes, Roundup Ready. Well, we're going to continue this interesting conversation. Uh, those who have just tuned in, you're with the Essentials of Healthy Living. I'm Dana Lake, your host for the hour. We're brought to you by Village Green Apothecary. Stay with us, folks. We'll be right back after this break. Solgar number no. 7 can help you feel the difference. Solgar number no. 7 actually shows improvement in joint comfort within 7 days. Now you can start to get back on track fast and pursue the activities you love. Solgar number no. 7 is a breakthrough in joint care with no glucosamine and no chondroitin. The advanced bioactives in Solgar number no. 7 help to increase flexibility, mobility, and range of motion within 7 days. One capsule once a day is all you need. When stiff joints occasionally say no, Solgar number no. 7 says yes. Solgar number no. 7 Available at Village Green Apothecary. New from Garden of Life, Kind Organics Whole Food Multivitamins. They are the only USDA certified organic, non-GMO verified whole food multivitamins available. They're gluten-free, certified vegan, and feature a patent-pending clean tablet technology. Kind Organics is super clean, untreated, unadulterated, and real whole food. Kind Organics Multivitamins from Garden of Life. Be kind to your body and the earth. Kind Organics, now available at Village Green Apothecary and online at myvillagegreen.com. Do you have unique needs that a mass market pharmacy can't meet? Village Green Apothecary can help. Maybe your doctor prescribed a special compounded formula or you have concerns about allergies or dietary supplements. Our expert team includes pharmacists, nutritionists, clinical herbalists, and naturopaths who can offer you advice on nutritional products and personalized healthy living plans. We also offer specialized lab and micronutrient testing to our customers. Visit Village Green in Bethesda at 5415 West Cedar Lane. Call us at 301-530-0800 or go to our website at myvillagegreen.com. Staying mentally sharp means nourishing the mind as well as the body. That's why there's new Cognisure from Metagenics. Research shows that the active natural ingredient in Cognisure supports multiple mechanisms necessary for maintaining healthy cognition and a healthy brain as it ages. Cognisure is also easy to take in delicious, chewable chocolate tablets. Have a clear and bright future by maintaining mental capacity with healthy habits and Cognisure. Remember Cognisure for healthy brain aging support. Available through your healthcare professional and Village Green Apothecary. Have you ever wondered why the cold and flu season occurs in the fall and winter months? One theory is because of a decrease in sun exposure, our bodies don't make enough vitamin D, which is essential to proper immune function. That's why medical experts recommend supplementing with vitamin D. Thorne Research's vitamin D products are made from pure vitamin D with no preservatives or unnecessary ingredients added. Support your immune system with Thorne's vitamin D1000 and D5000. These and other immune-supporting formulas are always available at Village Green. 
Welcome back, listeners, to the third segment of The Essentials of Healthy Living on 1500 AM, brought to you by Village Green Apothecary. I'm Dana Lake, alternating the show with Dr. Kevin Pissarro. We're here every Sunday morning at 10 a.m., and Kevin will be with us next Sunday. Uh, You'll be interested in his discussion on children's health. Also, a reminder that it's the the end-of-the-year sale that's going on right now at Village Green. Make sure you get in there. This goes until the 31st of December. So they've got good prices and a lot lot on sale today and through the 31st. So we've been talking with Dr. Peter Osborne, and our subject is autoimmune disease, no grain, no pain— And we've been talking well beyond autoimmunity. We've been talking about symptoms and headaches, uh, a full spectrum of conditions and symptoms that can occur because people are sensitive to gluten. And I think that term is becoming more popular uh, than intolerance. Uh, I have tended to use the term reaction. you're the expert, uh, Dr. Osborne. What do you think about the, the term sensitivity as being more inclusive? I think, I think the science is out on this one, but sensitivity is a better de- descriptor, in my opinion, because we have, we have three basic terms that people use, allergy, intolerance, and sensitivity are, are really the common terms. And a sensitivity is not an allergy, and an intolerance is not an allergy. And in essence, they all have subtly unique, different types of definitions. If we look at an intolerance, it means you, you eat something that you cannot digest. So you're intolerant to it because it sits in your gut, it doesn't digest, and it rots. And that, that feeds the wrong bacteria, creates gas and bloating and intestinal discomforts. So that's like the dairy intolerance or the lactose intolerance. Then we have allergy, which is an immune response directly. But typically, classically speaking, an allergy response is defined as an acute response where somebody eats something and their lips swell or their throat constricts or they break out in hives and end up in the hospital. And that does not define what gluten causes. Gluten causes an immune response that is more delayed in its, in its reaction. So we don't see the acute symptoms. We see kind of a slow, steady, subtle, progressive inflammatory response that damages tissues over time, leading to a breakdown fundamentally in the way a person's biochemical uh, and physiological systems are working. So it's, it's, it, we wouldn't really want to call it an allergy. We'd more want to use the word sensitivity because it, it defines that kind of slower response response as opposed to that acute well said and i think that's a a big difference and i i think it you've made it make sense so uh, talk to us a little bit more about quinoa buckwheat amaranth and oatmeal and how they can have the same health related problems or not so it's, it's oftentimes, again, when people are looking for gluten-free options, they gravitate toward what we call the pseudograins, quinoa, buckwheat, and amaranth. And um, the problem is, is that these are basically, these are seeds as well. And they have many of the same types of seed qualities that we see in, in wheat, barley, and rye, and they can be problematic for many people. As a matter of fact, a recent study on quinoa back in 2012 found that uh, – I, I don't quote me on this because I don't remember the exact numbers, but I think it was two of the 14 different types of proteins in quinoa looked so much like gluten that people with gluten sensitivity reacted to the quinoa. So a lot of people go to the quinoa, and they're like, I'm going to eat quinoa pasta and quinoa salads, 
and they end up staying sick or they don't end up feeling better. And this is one of the reasons why these pseudograins can mimic gluten or look a lot like gluten and, and create the same kinds of problems. I, I like your term pseudograins um, and very interesting. We're learning a lot today. Uh, so talk to us about supplements as well with regard to patients alleviating pain and maintaining optimum health. So some of, some of my favorite supplements that I, I find in the clinic to be extremely helpful for people, one has to do with, I, I shared my story about being in the VA hospital earlier. One of the other pieces of research I didn't mention was that high doses of omega-3 fatty acids were one of the most effective ways, actually, when compared to, to non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs. Omega-3 fish oils actually worked better without creating the, the GI damage that, are, that, you know, that non-steroidals are known to create. So like ibuprofen and naproxen and even aspirin all create basically mucosal erosion or uh, erosion of the mucosal lining, whereas fish oil that can work equally as effective at reducing pain doesn't have that side effect. Um, so that's one of my favorite, but you've got to get the dose up there. The dose got to be, first of all, it needs to be concentrated EPA and DHA. And second of all, the dose needs to be three to four grams to start. So, so some people, they buy a product that's really, really low in EPA and DHA, and they don't get this pain reduction effect because it's the wrong product. Excellent. Excellent knowledge, and thank you for explaining that. What, uh, what I hear when I'm interviewed for a show, and I am sure you've heard the same, is but grains are a necessary part of the human diet. They're, they're very important. And I always explain that they haven't been part of the human diet, grains, legumes, beans, along with cow milk, for most of human history. They're relatively new, and it's been 0, about 0.005% of modern human history that we have used these foods of domestication. Uh, so I have a very difficult time getting people to ignore that pyramid that was uh, so misinforming us and and understand they don't have to have grains. They're a choice for carbo and protein, especially when you throw the beans in there as a protein choice. Can you expand on that? Yeah, absolutely. We have to understand the history of grain. Grain has a has a history in the United States particularly. It's it's a it's a very tumultuous history that has been kind of politely swept under the rug. If we look at it, originally the, the first extractors of, of wheat or, or machines that shredded wheat were actually designed in the late 1800s. And we really didn't have grain as a cereal in the American diet until Kellogg came along. Kellogg was a medical doctor. And um, you know, you, you've all probably heard of Kellogg cereals. Well, he had a brother who was a marketer. So Kellogg created cornflakes as a gut irritant for his patients with constipation. So he used corn to irritate the gut lining so that his patients who had constipation would have an alleviation of that symptom. And then his brother came along and said, hey, we can, we can sell this stuff. And they did. They did a great job. Then they sold it for, for years. And Post came along behind them with grape nuts. And, and so we had two major cereal manufacturers coming along strong. And cereal was being pushed quite heavily until we started to see there was a number of different doctors that started to see an increase in gastrointestinal disorders when we started introducing cereals. And the disease is pellagra, 
which is a vitamin B3 disease, and, and which deficiency disease, and the disease uh, beriberi, which is a vitamin B1 deficiency disease, became rampant in the United States, killing thousands of people annually as a result of cereal. And, you know, we, we have this we have this today. We've all grown up with the cartoon characters, the Lucky Charms and the Frosted Flakes Tiger and all these other kind of cartoon indoctrinization characters to, to be basically be told that these are normal things and that you should have them as part of your balanced daily meals. But the reality is in 1943, the United States government banned the sale of grain because it was so – responsible for creating beriberi and pellagra. And they, they mandated that if any manufacturer was going to sell grain, they needed to fortify it with certain vitamins and minerals, or they couldn't sell it. Well, the cereal manufacturers, that they, they came on board, and that's what they did. They started fortifying their products, but they had really good marketing. They said, now, instead of saying, don't eat our cereal, our cereal can kill you, they said, hey, eat more of our cereal because it's even better for you because it's fortified with vitamins and minerals. And so that was the message that came outside of 1943, and most people growing up today who are alive today – Again, they've, they've received a marketing message that has been an indoctrinization toward grain. Now, I'm not even talking about the subsidy elements. During the Great <laughs> Depression, the United States government, to prevent farmers from going out of business, took taxpayer dollars to ma- and maintain and ensure that the farmers would not go out of business. And those subsidies were supposed to be used short term to get us through the Great Depression. But today what's happened is those subsidies still exist, and the farmers are no longer mom-and-pop farmers. There are major corporations and conglomerations. So big Monsanto farms that are doing highly genetically modified foods of, of what I would say are not scientifically proven to be safe. So you got these big companies are taking your taxpayer dollars to grow food that kills us, and they also own drug companies. So we've got all this conflict of interest, and we've got government subsidies going to make this. And then we have these companies created the Food Guide Pyramid. The Food Guide Pyramid was not written by doctors or scientists. It was written by industry. So we have this food guide pyramid that people have been indoctrinated with in in school because school teaches the food guide pyramid. And again, there's no scientific validation that says this is why the food guide – there's no justification for why the food guide pyramid is what it is. I can't agree with you more on that. uh, It's incorrect. It has nothing to do with what original humans consumed and what natural cultures consume today. And we're going to talk about this even more in the final segment, which is coming up. Uh, I do want to remind you, if you've just tuned in, you're with The Essentials of Healthy Living on 1500. I'm Dana Lake, your host for the hour. Please stay with us. We're having a fabulous conversation with Dr. Peter Osborne, and we'll be talking more about no grain, no pain. Mega Food Premium Whole Food Supplements are the only supplements crafted from scratch with farm fresh whole foods to deliver nourishment the way nature intended. Mega Food believes Mother Nature knows best. They select only fresh whole food, harvested at the peak of ripeness, handle it gently and with care to deliver its vital essence to you in every bottle. Mega Food, from farm to tablet. Our name is our promise. For more information, visit us online at megafood.com. 
bridging the gap between nutraceuticals and pharmaceuticals. That's the concept behind Zymogen's new exclusive and patented line of formulations, which utilize sophisticated delivery technologies to focus on specific molecular targets. The Zymogen EP line features Immunitix 3.6, a potent ingredient that has demonstrated a measurable ability to prime and enhance immune cell function. Applications include immune system support and support for white blood cell recovery following radiation therapy and other bone marrow affecting treatments. Now available at Village Green Apothecary and online at myvillagegreen.com. All over the world, people are beginning to discover fish oil is one of the best secrets for unlocking great health. Thousands of studies have shown the amazing effects of these powerful omega-3s for heart health. Plus, fish oils have even been shown to balance moods and lessen anxiety. With exceptional taste, unrivaled freshness, and unsurpassed purity, Nordic Naturals is the easy way to get your omega-3s every day. To learn more, visit Village Green Apothecary or visit NordicNaturals.com. Nordic Naturals, committed to the planet, committed to pure and great-tasting omega oils. Did you get enough lutein today to support eye health? Most Americans consume only 2 milligrams per day, yet populations with good eye health often consume 6 to 20 milligrams to protect the macula of the eye against oxidative stress and aging. Vision Optimizer from Gero Formula supplies lutein, zeaxanthin, and 13 other vitamins, phytonutrients, and herbs that support eye health and function, reduce eye fatigue, and promote eye comfort. For more information, visit Gero.com. Gero Formulas, available at Village Green Apothecary. Put a little more jingle in your pocket by taking advantage of Village Green Apothecary's year-end sale. From now until the end of the year, you can save 35% off Pathway Nutrition products, 25% off other supplements, and 20% off body care products. Give the gift of good health to the people you care about and stock up on healthy living essentials for yourself, too. Visit Village Green Apothecary in Bethesda at 5415 West Cedar Lane or on the web at myvillagegreen.com. Or just give us a jingle at 301 Welcome back to today's final segment of the Essentials of Healthy Living on 1500 AM, brought to you by Village Green Apothecary. I'm Dana Lake, and I alternate the show with Dr. Kevin Passaro, trying to bring you a wide variety of really good information all about you and your health, and that's what we're all about you and your health. Now, we're here every Sunday morning at 10 a.m., and you can tune in next Sunday for Kevin's discussion on children's health. Now, today our guest is Dr. Peter Osborne, and we've been discussing the subject of autoimmune disease and more specifically, no grain, no pain. And that is one of his books, and that's important to have. I think this is an expanding field for certain, and I'm delighted, uh, Dr. Osborne, that you've shared your experience and your information, and you've given a lot of tips to our listeners, which I think is very important. So can we talk more about what toxins people need to avoid and also what kind of protocols you use for detoxification? Yeah, absolutely. I think environmental Toxins, including, you know, food, chemicals in our hygiene-based products around the house, uh, the potential for heavy metal contamination are all very real health threats today. And, um, and so the first thing is just really understanding how you can protect yourself from those. Number one, I have three rules of nutrition. Number one, you can't get healthy eating food that isn't healthy. So that's the first step in detoxification is not toxifying yourself on purpose. 
Number two, don't eat what you're allergic to. And number three, listen to your body. Your body's going to talk to you. And if you eat something and you feel bad, don't justify it and say that you're going to pay for it tomorrow. Just stop eating it. So, so don't put in what we know to be bad. Number two, number two on the list of how we would detoxify before we actually do a detoxification program is look at your hygiene-based products. Look in your bathroom. Look at your cosmetics. Look at your soaps, your shampoos, your hair care products, your toothpaste, your mouthwash. Look at the things that you rub on your body or wash your body with. And let's try to avoid things like phthalates, which are the plastic uh, derivative chemicals that mimic estrogen that can create hormone imbalance. Let's look at those things that can contain some of the parabens, and, and some of you may have heard of the BPA, like in the plastics, the BPA. Don't just look for BPA-free. Look for plastic-free because today it's BPA. Tomorrow it's going to be some other chemical in the plastic. Let's look to, to have products that are produced and, and, and stored in glass or stored in ceramic or stored in some other type of material that's not not toxic to humans so that we're not applying all of these chemicals to ourselves on a regular basis. Let's look for organic-based foods where we don't get the exposure to the massive quantity of pesticides that we know can contribute to problems. And let's look at our air and our water quality. You should be filtering your air. You should be filtering your water um, because, frankly, it's not the city's job to ensure that chemicals are out of your water. It's their job to make sure you don't pick up an infection, and you want to understand that. The city's not trying to make your water 100% chemical-free. They're just trying to make sure that we don't have the massive spread of bacteria, viruses, or parasitic microorganisms. So it's your job on the second side to make sure you're using high-quality filtration devices so that the end product that you're drinking and cooking with is safe for your body and, and prevents you from building up levels of toxins. So that I would say start with that premise first. Excellent. That, that is the way to start. Then where do people go from there? So let's say you've got a buildup of toxins. Now we have to look at okay, what is, what is the type of toxin buildup, and what is the best way to, do, to deal with that? So for some of this, it, I, I recommend people visit with uh, somebody who's qualified in functional health or functional nutrition or functional medicine uh, because there are certain tests that can help us to identify whether or not a person, what a person needs to do specifically. So if we want to create a, a generalized protocol, which those are fine, they're, but they're generalized and they may not be specific enough for the individual. So the right kinds of tests can be very, very helpful in analyzing what type of detoxification a person needs. But if we're going to talk in terms of generalization, you know, there are certain, there, there, there are a number of different nutrients that are very effective at helping the body detoxify. My favorite in terms of supplementation, one of my favorite is vitamin C. Just pure old-fashioned vitamin C. Because vitamin C acts to upregulate immune cells and help them do their job. Vitamin C helps to produce antibodies. Vitamin C helps as a metal detoxifier, so it works as a chelating agent binding metals. Vitamin C helps the liver go through phase one and phase two deconjugation so that we can have chemicals floating around in our body be turned into water-soluble agents to be peed out as opposed to being stored in our fat cells. So for the bang for buck, vitamin C is one of the best things you can do and maintain higher levels of to keep your body in prime condition and, and use it as a detox. Excellent. I, I would throw magnesium in that mix as well. It's known as nature's house, house cleaner. <laughs> And I yeah, think I would that agree does, with you. <laughs> that describes it well. Uh, I think sometimes in nutrition and nutritional supplementation, we get so involved in more obscure nutrients that not that they aren't important and don't look 
closely enough at what we call the basics. And my original mentor uh, said, get back to the basics. Mickey Mantle said, go back to the basics every week. And vitamin C is as basic as it gets. Its effect is so broad. So I'm glad you mentioned that. Uh, What else would you suggest as far as detoxification? I love zinc. Uh, for its effect and function and regulation on the immune system. I love vitamin D for, this, for sure. similar reasons. Uh, and because vitamin D is, is directly, most, first of all, most people are deficient in it it's because they don't get adequate sunshine because they've been scared away from the sun by the dermatology community. Uh, but vitamin D regulates insulin. And if a person has a higher carbohydrate diet or they're overconsuming carbohydrates, that leads to their blood viscosity increasing. Their blood gets sticky. Just like syrup makes the floor sticky, sugar makes your blood sticky, and that can cause an array of all kinds of symptoms. So making sure your vitamin D levels are normalized helps maintain a healthier blood sugar level, which is going to free up your blood and your heart's going to have less pressure on it because if your blood's too thick and sticky, your heart has to work harder, your blood vessels have to work harder, your hormones don't work as effective. So a lot of your systems start to deteriorate and break down. So vitamin D classically is just another one of those basic fundamental nutrients that needs to be addressed. It's an, it's an unsung hero uh, in nutrition, and I think it has I, come into its own in the last 10 years, possibly 15 years, I don't think we realized that the standards that we were using were so inferior. They were based on deficiency, not optimum. And that's still the case, unfortunately. Uh, But we'll take that up with the Institute of Medicine the next time they get together on it. Uh, So uh, what final words do you have for those who have been listening and also how they can Uh, get your book. That's important. Two final words. Number one, if you are struggling, if if, if you're tuning into the show today because you're looking for solutions and answers, don't struggle alone. There are a lot of really wonderful professionals out in the world who, who have studied functional medicine and understand it very well and can expedite your, your path to recovery, help guide you to your path to recovery without you having to fumble around and try to figure it out on your own. So first piece of advice, final advice is to get help. Number two, go get a copy of No Grain, No Pain. Uh, If you're interested in functional medicine, the entire chapter 10 of the book is all about functional medicine. It's all about the types of tests that you can ask your doctor to run and the reasons why you would want to run this versus running that. So it's, it's kind of almost like a blueprint to help a person who's struggling find what they need to have a conversation with their doctor about. And you can pick that up at Amazon. You can pick it up at most major book outlets as well. And you can find it online at nograynnopainbook.com. And if you'd like to visit, my foundation is glutenfreesociety.org. It's a website designed to help teach people all about going gluten-free, what they need to know, what are the pearls and pitfalls to navigating the diet change. And if you go, come over to the website and sign up, we'll send you a free gluten-free survival guide. Perfect. Thank you for being on the show, Dr. Peter Osborne. Well, thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure. And thanks for all that you do in your show to help educate people. We try. (laughs) All of us were trying. And I want to thank you, listeners, for joining us on The Essentials of Healthy Living on 1500 AM. And you can access this show or any of the previous shows 
through myvillagegreen.com. And please remember, it's not the number of breaths you take. It's the moments that take your breath away. This is Dana Lake and Village Green wishing each and every one of you good health and a breathtaking day. Ah, the joy of commuting in Washington. Whether you work on the hill or outside the beltway, you know how stressful it is to get around. Stress can take a serious toll on your health, and Village Green Apothecary can help. We offer over 10,000 healthy living products, including top-quality nutritional supplements, herbal remedies, and more. Our nutritionists and pharmacists offer a personalized approach to help you with your health needs. Stop by Village Green Apothecary in Bethesda at 5415 West Cedar Lane or visit our website at myvillagegreen.com.